This is the Humboldt Chronicles. I am the queen of everything. I gotta be high before I can sway. Lighter tea and let it be. If you a viper. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask. The Humboldt Chronicles is made possible by Bear Extraction House. Thank you very much. We could not do it without you. Here's what we're talking about this time on the Humboldt Chronicles. Here's the frame. If you want to do something right, learn from the best and then take a few pages out of their playbooks. I don't know who first said that. Maybe it's just common sense. So when thinking about the best way to market Humboldt County cannabis, the County of Humboldt partnered with the Humboldt County Growers Alliance and decided to look at successful examples from other regions that are well-known for craft agricultural products and small farmers, just like this area is, and ask, what makes them the best and what can we learn from them? It came about this way. Two years ago, the Humboldt County Supervisors decided to reinvest a portion of Measure S revenue, which is generated by cultivation taxes, back into promotion of the local industry. There are a number of different components of Project Trellis, but one of them is a marketing program that would include resources devoted to marketing Humboldt County cannabis as a whole. We're focusing on that marketing component. It's a step-by-step process. Step one is a marketing assessment. That is, studying the best of the best, learning from them, and then, step two, developing a plan for Humboldt County based on what's worked for other agricultural products. Where we're at right now, and what we will be discussing in tonight's episode, is step one, the marketing assessment. What HCGA produced, and what the county is currently considering, is an assessment of how other areas have handled comparable marketing efforts. To complete the assessment, HCGA conducted four case studies. You'll recognize each one. Here's Ross Gordon of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance. We looked at four different case studies in this assessment, and those were wine in Napa, Bordeaux wine, Kona Coffee, which is the big island of Hawaii, and coffee in, in Colombia, encompassing the entire country there. We made that decision from a couple of different angles. One was just understanding the history and evolution of this conversation within this community, dating back at least to 2010, when cannabis legalization was first on the ballot in California. And, you know, there's so much conversation over the past 10 years and further back of, well, if we're going to have cannabis legalization, how are we going to protect, you know, the craft qualities of Humboldt County product? How are we going to protect the independent farmers here? How are we going to stop corporatization and commoditization of cannabis and sort of taking it from the community and giving it to the same consolidated corporations which control every other industry? So I think part of the idea for those case studies comes from that whole history of conversation and to say, can we look at some examples and really get into detail of what these four different regions seem to do right, at least to some extent, to deal with that? And I think the other place that case study methodology came from is as part of this assessment, we contracted with three different experts in this field of geographical indications is what it's called, or sort of regional brand building that is an attempt to do things in sort of an equitable, sustainable way. So we contracted with Massimo Vittori, who's the executive director of Origin. That's an organization based in Geneva, Switzerland, which basically their entire project is to try to promote all around the world these geographical indications, these sustainable rural development projects for regions that produce 
these specialty products. We also contracted with Cameron King, who was the former executive director of the Lodi Wine Commission, who has a lot of that same experience a little bit closer to home. And then we also contracted with Janine Coleman, who has been a farmer in Mendocino County for many years, who has also been at the leadership of this sort of like regionally based approach to marketing and branding and promoting cannabis, especially here in the Emerald Triangle. So looking at kind of all of those factors led us to feel like looking at the example of successful case studies was a good way to at least start to think about what a Humboldt County cannabis marketing program could look like. So what's been learned from the case studies and public meetings since? Well, there was an obvious takeaway from the case studies of the successful regions, but it wasn't what might have been expected. Here again is Ross Gordon. In some sense, this might seem obvious, but I don't know that it, it has always been obvious. The talking about a countywide marketing program is not just talking about advertising. It's not just about putting together some like glitzy billboard or something or like a tagline that sounds nice. When you look at it in the context of regional development and in terms of these other regions, it's really about a project for sustainable rural economic development. And it's really about including all of the considerations over a long period of time that go into that. And so the one thing that we see in all of these regions is that the bedrock of it is really cooperation and equitable participation. So every aspect of the community really working together to get on the same page of what they want the long-term development of the community around an export product to look like, um, and then working together to implement that vision. I'd say if there's one core lesson in the assessment, that's, that's what we pulled out of it. To accomplish that, it turns out that farmers need to have a say in the messaging, which is fundamentally about rural economic development, and cannabis has to be at the center of the messaging. What we really intended to do was start a conversation based on some research, right? And that I think this assessment clearly is not like the final say about what marketing will look like. It definitely does not answer every question related to countywide marketing. But I think what it does do is create a framework for having that discussion and, and a set of considerations for that discussion. And I think the number one thing I've heard in these town halls and also just talking to folks is the importance of farmers who are the people paying this tax. You know, they're the people funding the program and also the people who are supposed to be benefited by the program farmers really being at the center of it and farmers having control over the decision-making, farmers having control over the messaging, understanding that different farmers, whether it's because different regions, different experiences, there's, you know, whether you're a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller, you have your own brand or you don't, different farmers are going to be in different positions with this, but that the marketing program as a whole needs to be based on equitable participation. And that's something we really try to emphasize in the assessment, that if you do not have the equitable participation of the people who are affected, in this case, primarily the farmers, although it it could be a little bit more than that, it's really hard to build a successful program. And that's something which I've heard over and over and over again from people I'm I'm talking to about this assessment. What this assessment does, and and I think the assessment combined with the comments that, that will come in from the community, will start to speak to the question of like, what should the structure of this program be? And the structure I think is important just as much as the content, because if it's not structured in a way that's equitable, it's not structured in a way that enables it to make good decisions, then it's not going to make good decisions. And we're really talking about an institution and organization that we hope is resilient and successful, not just right now today, but really over many decades. And so I think there's a lot of discussions on exactly what that looks like. And I think those are conversations which are probably going to be had over the next year or more. I don't think they're conversations we can have in the short term. But the basic principles of what it looks like, that it should be a strong organization that's really at the center of this, that that organization should be based on equitable participation, and that it should have the capacity to carry out some of these specific programs, which we talk about in the assessment, things like building strong market partnerships with other parts of the supply chain, things like being able to do effective public relations, things like being able to cooperate with all segments of the community, for example, tourism, 
to have an integrated program, I think we have to have a community-wide conversation about what that looks like and how to do that most effectively. There's a detail in this that's obviously new and has to do with cannabis itself. The long criminalization of cannabis made it difficult to talk about in a straightforward business kind of way until recently. Now, cannabis has to move to center stage. It is the purpose of this countywide marketing program and marketing assessment to be focused on humble county cannabis. And cannabis is at the center of it. And the success of the, the, the cannabis farmers in the industry here is the purpose of this. But also recognizing that whether you're talking about humble county or you're talking about Napa, if you're talking about the success of the region as a whole, cannabis is going to be at the center of that, right? Like wine is going to be at the center of that if, it, if it's Napa. And I think for many reasons, that's been something which has been difficult to talk about in the past with the history of criminalization of cannabis. So I think this is a good opportunity to think about, like, this is the reality. You know, cannabis is critical to Humboldt County. And this is a marketing assessment for cannabis. But the, you know, I think part of the idea is we don't want to continue to silo cannabis as something separate. We want to understand that in promoting cannabis, you're also really promoting the county as a whole, and you're really interacting with every other part of the county, including, for example, tourism. Right now, the dominant local production is sun-grown cannabis, and it's something that differentiates Humboldt from other regions. So, one of the challenges will be educating consumers about that. Here's Ross Gordon. About 95% of Humboldt County cannabis is produced either under an outdoor license type or under a mixed light one license type, which is basically in most cases light deprivation with very little or no artificial lighting. And so there is a little bit of indoor um, and a little bit of like intensive greenhouse production in Humboldt County, but overwhelmingly production is what we would call sun grown. So one thing which, you know, we propose would be important as part of countywide marketing is to promote the sun grown quality of Humboldt cannabis. And it is something which differentiates us and our sister counties in Mendoza you know, in Trinity and in other places like Nevada County, it differentiates us from places like Los Angeles or San Francisco, which are basically exclusively growing indoor cannabis. And consumers haven't always recognized the unique qualities of sun-grown cannabis. They haven't always maybe had information about what that looks like, about, you know, the ways in which that can be a really vastly more environmentally sustainable form of production. And they don't necessarily have good information about what makes those products special. So we do think that the promoting sun-grown cannabis is should be an enormous part of this marketing program. I would say, I've heard a few folks say, you know, what about indoor? What about non-sun-grown cannabis? And there is some of that grown in Humboldt County. And, and the purpose of this assessment, and in our opinion, the marketing program should not be to throw that under the bus or to say we're not promoting that. It's really just to recognize the vast majority of production in Humboldt County is sun-grown. That is something that makes us special. And that one goal among many goals of this marketing program should be to promote that, um, both because it's great for Humboldt County and also because it really advances um, environmentally sustainable production that, that we would love to see understood better in the minds of consumers. But interestingly, educating consumers about humble cannabis might start with educating the people who talk one-on-one -on -one with those consumers, the bud tenders at the retail level in dispensaries around the state. How do you change consumer mindset? And one thing that we found in this assessment is that oftentimes the most effective way to do that is actually not to talk that directly to consumers at all. Really, the cornerstone of each of these regions is not direct-to-consumer advertising, although some regions uh, like Columbia do advertise direct-to-consumer. It's partnerships among industry. So it's it's building relationships with distributors and with retailers, dispensaries, for example, um, and educating them on, you know, your product and on how your product is grown and creating a connection with how the product is grown and, and what makes it special. So that could look like, for example, you know, inviting bud tenders at different dispensaries in L.A. up to Humboldt County to 
have experiences on farms and understand farms better. Events where you're connecting humble farmers with distributors and retailers from all around the state. And when you start with that industry-to-industry connection, for one thing, it's a lot more efficient in terms of resources, right? You don't have to, like, finance expensive commercials on TV. Everyone is kind of getting something from that interaction, so you're not necessarily spending resources in the same way. And at the same time, you are expanding the group of people who are willing to explain why your product is special. So if you can convince bud tenders that sun-grown cannabis is important, that's an enormous part of what is going to then educate consumers down the line and make them feel more comfortable in buying sun-grown humble cannabis. One thing about the entire idea about marketing a product based on origin, based on a region, and, and to compare that to the traditional understanding of marketing, which is by kind of a faceless corporation, like Nike might be a good example, right? Like Nike doesn't even produce any of their own shoes. Like they outsource shoe production to other countries around the world, and they really just manage a brand. And I think the difference when you ground your marketing in a place, like a real physical place with real physical people and community, is it's actually based on something real. You know, I I think everything we're talking about is based on something real. And I think advertising has a reputation often accurately as kind of tricking people, right, or convincing people to buy something they don't want. And I think the paradigm we are finding is more successful in the context of these origin products is really like telling the truth and and speaking to the authenticity and the real qualities of the cannabis and the real people who are here producing it and humble. And when you can communicate that authenticity, I think that does go a lot further than just a billboard or commercial on TV. After a quick break, we'll continue our discussion and ask whether and how a humble cannabis marketing plan might help small farmers protect their place in the industry against corporatized cannabis. And later, we'll ask whether a new humble cannabis marketing plan might anticipate federal legalization. It's all ahead right after this. back to the Humboldt Chronicles. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Ross Gordon of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance. At the core of the move to develop a marketing plan for Humboldt County cannabis is making sure that such a plan helps enable the success of small farmers. Part of that means getting the word out about locally produced cannabis. But another part of it is dealing with the corporatization of the cannabis industry. Here again is Ross Gordon. How do we build something which is going to enable small and independent farmers to be successful? I think that's really the core of this conversation. This is the conversation about like the corporatization of cannabis. How do we stop that? And I think it's a little bit counterintuitive. It may not be the first thing on people's minds that a countywide marketing program could be the way to do that. But one thing that I think in doing this research and in having conversations with our members and with some of these experts around the world over many, many years is that where the intellectual property is held and and the ability to market your product, to literally, how do you sell your product and get it to market? That is the advantage that consolidated and corporatized cannabis or wine or whatever it is. That is the advantage that they have. And so if you can build something on a collective cooperative level that is going to be equitable and that is going to give everyone the ability to market and use the Humble County name to promote their product, I think that is a critical part of stopping the corporatization of cannabis. And I think in having those conversations, I have sensed a lot of excitement that this is a way forward that gives us a plan and a strategy to be able to do that. Among the key nuggets of knowledge gleaned from the case studies of other regions around the world is the need for standards of quality. 
Maintaining quality, of course, helps maintain the strength of the brand. But it's easier said than done. It requires consensus among producers, and that is a long-term task. One thing that was actually a bit surprising is that even when you look at some of these really prestigious regions with long histories, like Bordeaux, they still kind of struggle sometimes with quality. Like, it doesn't just happen on its own. Like, they have to have collective discussions about how do you keep the quality high. And to the extent we are really talking about a Humboldt County brand, well, if a lot of that is low quality, then over the long term, that could become a problem. Even if you have this great reputation of Humboldt County, if consumers aren't consistently getting that experience, that can be a problem. That said, the idea of setting a minimum quality standard, um, which is something we see in these other regions, is something that, that we suggest in the assessment would have to be a very long term project, would have to be based on a lot of consensus building. Um, I think when I talk to farmers, most of the folks I talk to can see the argument for why you would want a minimum quality standard for humble cannabis, but at the same time trying to get agreement on what that is. I mean, that's, it's just such an enormous project, and we can't even agree on ways right now to talk about, like, what is cannabis quality. So I think it's, it's a really long-term conversation, you know, probably at least 10 years, but it is something to keep in mind that, that ultimately, if you can't preserve quality, the reputation of the county will eventually suffer. We do see, you know, in every single one of these regions. It is industry cooperation, absolutely, which is at the center of it. You know, in Napa Valley, it's the Napa Valley Vintners Association. In Bordeaux, it's the CIVB, which is a trade association representing winemakers and distributors based in Bordeaux. A lot of times in these different regions, we see kind of multi-tiered industry structures. So for example, in Bordeaux, you do have the CIVB representing the industry in the whole region, but then they cooperate with 35, they're called syndicates. There's a cooperative arrangement there. And of course, we now have Appalachians coming down in California cannabis, which is kind of creating potentially the same type of structure where maybe you have a larger industry organization on one hand, and then you have these smaller subregions on the other. So I think at this point, exactly what that looks like is something that needs to be discussed. But in general, those are the types of considerations which seem to be successful. Among the things Ross has to cope with is skepticism. For example, He's often asked whether it's really possible to sustain an industry at the local level that's made up of mostly small, independent farmers and not see it eventually crushed by a couple of large, wealthy corporate firms aiming to control and dominate the industry and all of its markets. For as long as I've been involved in this, I've had conversations with people who will say that the idea of an industry based around many small farmers or many small businesses is sort of a fantasy, that it's sort of ridiculous, and that people will say, you know, it's just the natural way things work is that you end up with two companies controlling an entire market. And I've never believed that, and I think most people here never believe that. But at least speaking personally, like, I never felt like I had all of the, the research and knowledge I needed to explain exactly how you would strategize against that and what I got from this assessment and what I hope other folks got from this assessment is that there are strategies to do that. And there are successful examples of regions which have been able to stop that corporatization and consolidation. And that's not to say that it's guaranteed or that the marketing assessment is 100% can tell you everything about how to do that. It's just to say there is a vision for what that looks like and there is a strategy. So I think knowing that at least that possibility is there has made me a lot more optimistic about the future. Ross, what sort of timeline do you envision for this rollout of this plan? Is it many generations? And how do you assess how you're doing as you roll this out, given that it's a very long-term kind of deal? So I think it, it should be built to last over multiple generations, which is, you know, if you look at Napa, Bordeaux, Colombia, Kona, you're, you're looking back to the 40s or 20s at least, you know, 100 years. 
that said, it should also be delivering real benefits on day one. So it's, it's just the balance between those things. And I think a good example of how that can happen is, again, getting back to this idea of industry to industry marketing and industry partnerships. You know, if you're creating relationships with distributors and retailers, if you're creating relationships with bud tenders, you are selling the product on day one. You are performing an enormous service for farmers on day one, simultaneously doing marketing, which is going to help farmers right now and build a system slowly, step-by-step over months and years and decades and generations. Um, I think both of those things are really important. Just ahead, the timeline of the future will, according to many, include federal legalization at some point. We'll double-check that assumption with someone who will have a vote on the decision. Plus, we'll find out if the HCGA's marketing plan anticipates cannabis becoming legal nationwide. We're back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. To this point, we've discussed a marketing assessment that will hopefully guide the development of an effective marketing plan for the Humboldt County cannabis industry. Bringing this once illegal commodity to the legal market is still in its relatively early stages. Yes, early stages, because looming on the horizon is federal legalization. Even if federal legalization goes smoothly, still, it will usher in a whole new period of transition in the industry. Recently, we talked with our congressman, Jared Huffman, about this and got a status update on it in this topsy-turvy political year. And we also asked Ross Gordon of the HCGA if the development of marketing plans is taking into account the possibility of federal legalization. First, Congressman Huffman. I don't know where Biden is, uh, but I know where the country is and where the Congress is. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's time. We're really quite close here to uh, to just getting this done. And then everybody is going to wonder why we waited so long, because it's going to be no big deal. One reason why good structure and good organization is so important is the future is so uncertain. You know, we don't know if, when, and how it'll be legalized at a federal level. One day we'll have international commerce. We might have a whole new set of rules. Hopefully we won't, but we might. Um, and so this structure needs to be flexible. And one premise of the assessment is how do you create an organization which is going to be flexible to adapt to whatever happens into the future? Um, and the equitable participation of farmers is a really big part of that so that you're, you're really based in like the needs of the people who are at the center of it. But also, you know, being able to be thoughtful about areas like what's happening in the press what's happening on a policy level. Does the marketing that's happening, does it make sense given like the the regulations and legal system that we have? Um, How do we think about a consumer in New York versus a consumer in California? So we need the flexibility to be able to adapt to those changing circumstances. I would share the congressman's optimism that this probably is something that's happening in the next couple of years. Um, And it's an exciting opportunity. And I think we need to make sure that we are building whatever structures we can now to prepare for that to happen. If the whole issue of humble cannabis in the legal era seems like a puzzle to you, you're not alone. There are multiple pieces that will somehow fit together to form a complete picture. Each piece is important to complete the picture, and each piece must fall into its place. But, like any puzzle, one person might see where one piece fits while someone else is concentrating on a different piece in a different part of the puzzle altogether. Same puzzle, different set of eyes. Case in point. Marketing and brand protection are important long-term strategies and part of rural economic development. But day-to-day survival in the here and now is what some in the industry would prioritize. Like access to banking and the business loans that are necessary for building out the infrastructure in an industry that is arguably still in its startup phase. 
Two thoughts on that. First, Ross Gordon of the HCGA, and then Craig Najedli of Satori Wellness in McKinleyville. How do you balance the emergency of the day-to-day, right, and just trying to keep your head above water and try to run a successful business and try to get through this insane compliance gauntlet and, you know, whatever. How do you balance that with a long-term strategy? And I, I think we really, really need both. And like you're saying, it is the pieces of a puzzle. Because if we just totally keep our head down and try to just, like, fix every problem that's, like, right now in front of us today then I think we're going to wake up in five years and 10 years and we're going to have federal legalization and there's going to be trillion dollar venture capital firms who you know have their eyes on this market and we won't have protected the humble county name, which is the enormous advantage that we have. And so the question is, how do we do both those things in the same time, look at both the short term and the long term? It's part of that conversation. It's not the entire conversation in itself. Yeah, I think more than anything right now, the Kansas community in Humboldt needs access to funding. We can't go to a traditional bank or credit union or traditional lenders for financing and capitalizing the growth of our businesses. The biggest thing I think the county should be doing with these Measure S funds that they're reinvesting back into the industry is providing some kind of funding mechanism, loans with interest rates that can help fund the industry that will then make the marketing uh, investment more worthwhile. Again, different set of eyes working on the same puzzle. We'll continue our discussion with Craig on this and other topics in next month's Chronicles. So after all this, where do things stand now? Well, very recently, the county completed a process whereby it sought input from the public via an online survey, as well as through two virtual town hall meetings. That input is now being considered by staff and will be summarized into a report containing recommendations for moving forward that will be presented to the Board of Supervisors. There's no announced timetable for delivering this report, but we've been told that the supervisors are hopeful that some action will occur before the end of the year. We'll continue to follow this process and we'll report developments in future episodes of the Humboldt Chronicles. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask. This edition of the Humboldt Chronicles will be posted soon at 941lounge.com, lostcoastoutpost.com, and at iTunes for listening and downloading. Thanks to our guests, Ross Gordon of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance, Congressman Jared Huffman, and Craig Najedli of Satori Wellness. Finally, much appreciation to our sponsors, Air Extraction House. We'll be back with the Humboldt Chronicles at 6 p.m. on the third Wednesday of each month. So we'll see you next time, November the 18th at 6 p.m.